Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 31 of Revelation chapter 11. And we're going to be reading verses 15 through 17. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign for ever and ever. And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. This is one of the more glorious passages in the Bible. This is a description of the triumphant exaltation of the Lord Jesus Christ at the end of time in the day of judgment. When the seventh angel sounds, that's the last trump, it is judgment day itself. And at that point in time, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Now, the question for us is exactly when does that take place? Is this speaking of the very end of the prolonged period of Judgment Day? the last day of the 1600 days, for example? Is it referring to the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, of Earth's existence, and then the uh, kingdoms of this world are become at that point the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and then he reigns forever and ever? And the answer is no. This is speaking of Judgment Day, and the point of Judgment Day, the beginning of Judgment Day, throughout Judgment Day, to the completion of Judgment Day, is in view with this statement, because that's when the seventh angel sounds. The seventh angel, the last trumpet, began to sound, and soundeth long, getting louder and louder, beginning May 21, 2011, and continues to sound throughout this period of time and these days after the tribulation until the last day, and then the the trumpet blast is completed and the world ends in the last trump. And then the Lord Jesus Christ comes, there's the resurrection of the dead, and the rapture of the living saints of God, and all go to be with the Lord as God destroys this creation and creates a new heaven and new earth. And therefore, when we are reading that the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and and he shall reign forever and ever, 
that that took place on May 21, 2011. And that, that's a, an amazing thing to think about because, it, um, we didn't see any difference. We, we didn't notice any, um, change of, uh, leadership. And you would think that you would, uh, certainly notice if the control of the kingdoms of this world, the rule, the, the, uh, dominion were turned over to the Lord Jesus Christ. After all, Satan is the one ruling, and up until the point when Christ is victorious, and then Jesus rules over all that he ruled over, and certainly there ought to be a drastic change, we would think. But first, let's let's show how the Bible does declare that Satan is, is the God of this world, and he does rule over the kingdoms of this world. In Matthew 4, in Matthew chapter 4, during the period when Christ is being tested in the wilderness, we read in Matthew 4 and verses 7 and 8, Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up, into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. So Satan shows Christ all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and he tells Jesus, if you worship me, then I'll give you all this. That is, you will, you will be the ruler over all these if only you submit to me and bow before me. What, what arrogance, what, what incredible arrogance. And, but it just shows the, the pride and, and the, the evil depths of Satan's nature that he would even dare to think, let alone ask the Lord of glory, the the great I am, God in the flesh, to bow before him. What a terrible thing. It reveals the depths of the rebellion of a fallen creature. Yes, Satan is a fallen angel, but is man any better, created in the image and likeness of God to serve God and yet we take it upon ourselves to usurp the sovereignty of our creator, of the almighty God. And we determine, well, we know better than him and we will do what we want to do. We will transgress his law again and again. Doesn't that reveal the same type of arrogance, the same type of incredible pride uh, uh, here Satan is only admitting it this is what he wants he wants to be God he wants to be the one that all bow down to even the true God and and certainly man is is no better we're no better in our natural condition in our uh, in our uh, spiritually dead state and but the important thing here is that Satan is conducting himself in the presence of Christ as though he 
is the ruler over all the kingdoms of the world. And, and Jesus doesn't correct him concerning that. We, we find, uh, in the parallel passage in Luke chapter 4, in Luke 4, it says in verse 4, and Jesus answered him saying, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And the devil taking him up into a high mountain showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. And Satan is a liar, and and the father of lies, but he he tends to um, speak some truth and then twist the truth. And here uh, he he's saying that the kingdoms of the world were delivered unto him, and that is correct, because when he deceived Eve and Adam, when he deceived them, and they listened to the devil and the serpent, and they believe the lie over the truth of God and and sinned in in open rebellion against the law of God and ate of the tree God commanded they should they they were not to eat of then mankind became servants to Satan to sin and to Satan and all that man ruled over and God gave man um, dominion over the creation. All that man ruled over, Satan now ruled over. How could man continue to uh, to be the supreme ruler of the creation when he himself was in subjugation to Satan? So in a way, Satan won the battle and man was now in servitude to him. And what man ruled over, Satan ruled over. So he rules the kingdoms of this world. Now, we we read in Revelation 13, and that would have been the case throughout the history of the world since the Garden of Eden. But something happened during the Great Tribulation period where Satan's rule increased and, and grew even larger. In Revelation 13... We read of the beast that comes up out of the sea and God gives him rule over the churches. And also in Revelation 13, he it says he's given rule over the people of the world in a greater way than than ever before. And it says in Revelation 13, verse 7, And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. So Satan's rule, his kingdom of darkness, multiplied and grew and increased to heights never before known. 
during the Great Tribulation, the entire church, the whole corporate body, and just think of the number of churches that that were in the world all across the face of the earth in just about every nation. The people, the congregation numbered around two billion And God turned it over to the beast. He gave it to Satan, the man of sin. And Satan took his seat in the temple, showing himself to be God and to be worshipped. Remember, that's what it says in uh, 2 Thessalonians, in chapter 2. Verse 3 speaks of the man of sin. In verse 4, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God. To sit in the Bible means to rule. Kings are seated upon thrones. They sit to rule over their provinces, over the lands they have conquered. Well, the man of sin, Satan, He as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. He was given rule 100% over the corporate body, the outward representation of the kingdom of God to the people of the earth, the entire church, the earthly church, the church that you see with your physical eyes on the street corners, the Baptist and Lutheran and Catholic and Presbyterian and Reformed churches and independent churches, that church was turned over completely to him. And so his rule, his dominion increased enormously before he infiltrated churches. The church was an area, though, that belonged to God. The Lord Jesus Christ was in the midst of the congregations. And and Satan could turn a church, turn a congregation or a denomination away from the truth. But overall, God maintained uh, the corporate body's integrity through his very presence until the end of the church age when when God departed out of the midst of the church and then Satan had free reign. It was all his. And and so his kingdom ever grew and expanded. And uh, everywhere you look now. Oh, where could a, a poor child of God turn to? The world was multiplying in sin. The church was entirely given over to Satan. And was suffering from strong delusion. Where could the poor people of God go except to the word of God, just them and the Bible. And so God um, commanded his people to flee to the mountains, to go to the Bible itself and, and find refuge in the word of God because all else had been turned over to Satan, typified by the king of Babylon as the king of Babylon conquered nation after nation, including Judah. And and that would continue until the end of the Great Tribulation period, because this was only given to him, the rule over the church, the rule over the world, and for 42 months, it says in 
Revelation 13, and that 42 months typified the duration of the Great Tribulation. And, and then a drastic change would take place. Now we read of this in a historical parable. Let's go to Second Chronicles 36, which says um, the identical thing to Ezra. In Second Chronicles 36, we read in verse 21, To fulfill the word of Jehovah by the mouth of Jeremiah, until the land had enjoyed her Sabbaths, for as long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbath to fulfill threescore and ten years, or seventy years. Now that 70-year period is a type and figure of the Great Tribulation that would come at the end of time that did come. We lived through it from May 21, 1988 through May 21, 2011, an exact 23-year Great Tribulation period. Well, that was typified by these 70 years. Then it says in verse 22 of Second Chronicles 36, Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of Jehovah spoken by the mouth of Jeremiah might be accomplished, Jehovah stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom, and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, All the kingdoms of the earth hath Jehovah, God of heaven, given me, and he has charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is there among you of all his people? Jehovah his God be with him, and let him go up. And here, um, Cyrus is a type of Christ. The, there's no doubt of that, because the book of Isaiah refers to him as God's anointed, which is the Hebrew word for Messiah, and God calls him my shepherd. So, uh, uh, and of course, that's a reference to Jesus Christ, the good shepherd. Cyrus conquers Babylon. The kingdom of Satan is what Babylon typifies. Cyrus puts the king of Babylon to death that very night that the Medes and Persians take Babylon. And then all that Babylon ruled over, that great kingdom of Babylon was turned over to the Medes and the Persians so that Cyrus now ruled over all. The Medes and the Persians were a great kingdom of their own, but once they conquered Babylon, it tremendously grew their kingdom. And and that's why the statement is made by Cyrus, All the kingdoms of the earth hath Jehovah God of heaven given me. This teaches us that at the end of the Great Tribulation, because this took place at the end of the 70 years, at the end of the Great Tribulation, Satan is deposed from ruling over all that he had previously ruled over, from his rule in the church to his rule in the world, as he offered to Jesus during the 40 days of temptation in the wilderness. Bow down to me and I will give you all the kingdoms of the earth and the glory of them. Well, of course, God doesn't need Satan to give them to him. God had a plan to take them from him, to 
take it by force, take it through victory in battle, the victory of judgment day, when the Lord God saved all of his people, all the elect who had been captives in darkness in uh, the kingdom of Satan, and he rescued them and delivered them all, then finally God could uh, end that spiritual battle, that fighting that had been going on for centuries and thousands of years, actually. And God could bring the final judgment upon Satan. And it begins with putting him down. By taking away the rule that Satan had finally obtained over the church and over the world. And and this is an enormous blow to the pride of Satan. Uh, how, how do you injure a spirit being a fallen angel? You can't put him to death until finally at the end of Judgment Day, God will just destroy him and, and he will die that way. But on May 21, 2011, with the spiritual judgment, God hit him where it hurts the most, in his pride, in his arrogance, in his desire to be like God, to be supreme king of kings and ruler. And God first gave it to him during the little season of the Great Tribulation. Very well, you will, you will take your seat as the man of sin and, and, um, make an image to the beast and all must bow down to the image of the beast and you can, you can have your, your day in the sun, your period where you are worshipped as God. But then God's plan was to take that from him. And this is a grievous, a grievous blow to Satan and to his pride. He has lost all official capacity to rule. In this world, the the rule that he won over mankind in the Garden of Eden is taken away. The rule that was given to him during the Great Tribulation was taken away. He still exists. He still is active in the world, going about as a roaring lion. God makes sure we understand that. But he has been killed in the sense that he has lost that dominion. He has lost the kingdoms of this world. Now, we read in the book of Esther, and Esther paints a picture of this situation through the the historical record in the book of Esther of a man named Haman who uh, grew and, and came to a position of power in Ahasuerus' kingdom. He ruled under Ahasuerus, Ahasuerus the king, lifted him up to a high state. And then on a certain day, everything fell apart for Haman. Haman, who was called the adversary of the Jews. And the Hebrew word adversary is is that word Satan. He is the adversary of the people of God, of God himself. And he was ever prospering, ever... Uh, increasing in power until a particular day. And the book of Esther reveals that day 
as being the 17th day of the second month. That was the turning point for Haman. And what's so important about the 17th day of the second month? Well, that's the day that matches the day that the flood began. In Genesis chapter 7, God began to pour out the waters of a flood on the 17th day of the second month of Noah's 600th year. And that's the day that was the underlying Hebrew calendar date for May 21, 2011. And, and, and so when we find that Haman, a type of Satan, is just, just, uh, incredibly defeated on that very day, 217 in the book of Esther, but, and, uh, if you remember what happened that day, first of all, the night before, the king could not sleep, and he wondered who was in the court, uh, because it was read to him, uh, of Mordecai, who's a type of Christ, Mordecai's um, valor in uh, saving the king's life by uh, turning in information concerning two men who wanted to kill the king. And so the king wanted to honor Mordecai, the Jew, and he asked who's in the court. Haman was in the court to come to speak to the king to hang Mordecai upon the gallows. But before Haman could open his mouth, the king uh, said to him, What shall be done unto the man whom the king delights to honor? And Haman thought in his heart, Now who would the king delight to honor more than me? You see, there's uh, an excellent example of the pride of Satan. And Haman was a very proud man, so he excellently illustrated the the mindset of Satan. And so uh, Haman said, well, let let the king's horse and the, the king's clothing and the king's crown and so forth be placed upon this man and let one of the, the greatest um, rulers under the king lead the man through the city, saying, thus shall be done unto the man whom the king delights to honor. Notice how Haman, thinking that it would be him, wanted this honor to be clothing the man in the king's robes and the man wearing the king's crown because it it really showed Satan's desire to be like God, just like Haman wanted to be like the king and honored as the king. Well, then the king ruins Haman's day. Actually, it's just beginning and tells him to go and do so unto Mordecai the Jew. And Haman's countenance falls, yet obediently he does find Mordecai the Jew and everything the king said that he had recommended as far as the clothing and the crown and and carrying him through the city, Haman performed. And we see the beginning of the day of 217. Haman is put down and Mordecai, a type of Christ, is exalted. Or, just as in Second Chronicles 36, the king of Babylon is slain, Cyrus is exalted king over all the kingdom, uh, kingdoms of the world, it says. And, and things grow from bad to worse for Haman, because um, soon he is invited to the banquet of wine, 
as Esther has invited him and the king. And then Esther makes intercession for the lives of her people to King Ahasuerus because there's an evil man that wants to kill them. And the king is stunned. It's as though he knew nothing about it. Tell me, who is the man? This wicked Haman is the one. And and then the king rises up in fury and wrath to get his guards. And Haman falls on the bed to plead for his life to Queen Esther. But it's too late. The king returns and Haman is um, taken and then hung on the very gallows he had prepared for Mordecai the Jew. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over Pal Talk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.